Romans 8, verses 1 through 8, the word of the Lord. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, ascending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot, for those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The word of the Lord. So according to this passage, and the rest of the Bible agrees with it, of course, there are basically, uh, there's lots of different ways to, to look at at people in the world. Um, one of my favorite is that there are three types of people in the world, those who can count and those who cannot. But here we see that there are basically two types of people in the world. It's those who walk according to the flesh and those who walk according to the spirit. So what does it mean to walk? Let's just start with that. So when the Bible talks about Walking, it doesn't just mean the way you walk, the way you um, what's the word, ambulate, the way your feet go one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking out the door. It has to do with your way of life, that your walk. And we have a, a saying you may have heard, it's like, well, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Or he talks the talk, but he doesn't walk the walk. You know, in other words, he says all the right things, but his life doesn't uh, line up with it. Um, there was a... I don't typically talk about old girlfriends, but there's an old girlfriend I had that was a day for a short period of time before I found my beautiful wife, Amy. But her father said something good to me that was very good because he, he asked me, he says, are you a Christian? All this, you know, he's wanting to know, you know, who is this that I'm about, to, that's about to be unleashed, you know, in my daughter's life. And um, he said, well, son, the proof of the pudding is in the eating thereof. And I thought, hmm. Most people just say the proof is in the pudding. And it's like, no, 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 that's not what it means. That's not the correct saying. The proof of the pudding. You don't know if that's good pudding or not? Let's taste it and eat it. Let's see. So let's see what it's like. It can look good. So a lot of people can look good. They can sound good. They can say good things. But does their walk line up with their talk? And this is what he's saying. There's two different types of people. There are people who walk according to the flesh. And there are people who walk according to the spirit. And what he's saying here in verse Four of chapter 8 is that as the Spirit is at work in those who are believers who've been reborn, who've been regenerate, converted to Christ, um, the righteous requirement of law is going to be fulfilled in us. And so as people who are walking, their lives are walking according to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit, then all these, this law stuff that he's been talking about, those requirements, they're going to, you're going to start seeing the law working out. Okay, so it's not so that you can be saved. It's not so that God will love you more. But it's like, thou shalt not hate. Thou shalt not, you know, the, the inner requirements of the law. Okay, so that it's, it's fulfilled in us by faith and through faith. But there are these two types of people. And he even tells us in Romans in different places that be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live your life. Because as a believer, we can have a tendency to walk like we're non-believers. 
so that what we're doing is walking in the flesh, our carnal lives. And we'll talk about what does flesh and spirit mean. But to, to walk, there are some people who walk who lived their lives according to the flesh, and there are people who lived their lives according to the Spirit. And these people live different types of lives, not because they think differently, is what the Bible is saying here, but they think differently because they are different. Now, the way you think about things can affect and does affect the way you act and the way you do and the way you respond. But the way you think about things also has to do with who you are on the inside. And this is what verse 5 is saying. In the ESV, um, it is translated, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. But it's literally, and some different translations pick up on this better than others, is literally those who are according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. And those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. So it's kind of worded weird. They change it a little bit to make it in English. In, in Greek, it's like, it makes sense. But in English, it's like, well, we don't say things like that. So they put the word live according to. But it really has to do with who a person is. You walk according to this inward principle that's at work within you. And it's either the flesh, carnality, or it's the work of the Holy Spirit affecting you differently because of who you are in Christ. And that changes things. So regeneration means something has been brought to life. Um, new birth means you're, you've been born again. There's a new principle that's set up. But what Paul is, is, is saying to us here is you're not just regenerated, you're not just born again, but you're actually indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You actually have a person living inside of you so that we, we, we know how the conscience works. We've seen them, they used to do it in little movies and stuff. You got the, the angel over here saying, do good, and the Satan over here going, do evil. You know, and it's like, who am I going to listen to? Who am I going to listen to? Well, that's, that's us. But when God, when the Holy Spirit is within us, it's not just whispering in his ear, it's a heart change. That what you should begin to see in your life is there's just a change. And I do like the way at the end of the Grinch, the heart starts to pump and it's starting to change. Why am I caring? All this. And it's, it doesn't just change. He's like, hey, this is cool. I got a new heart. It's like it actually, now he goes from being one way to being another way. Now, they don't do a perfect job of, they don't present because of Jesus Christ in here, but we can apply the, the lesson that salvation and regeneration makes you no longer according to flesh, but now you are according to spirit. This is what is supposed to be happening in a believer's life. So what is flesh and what is spirit? If you take notes or something, you can say, one, what is meant by walk? And secondly is now what is flesh and what is spirit? So flesh... And it's the Greek word sarks. People are interested in that. It's one of those words that come up a lot. Um, unredeemed, fallen nature without the work of Christ and without the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so you can also say it's the Spirit of Christ. It's just unredeemed, fallen nature. Now, Luther, Martin Luther, had a, a, a common way that he would use um, from time to time where he referred to fallen nature. He'd say that it is deeply curved in on itself. So that human nature... Just without Christ's fault, like we're in, we're in sin, we're born in sin because we've inherited the sinful nature from Adam and Eve. We are corrupt in every part of our beings, as the catechism states. 
And so this is the idea of total depravity, by the way, but that it's curved inward on itself. And so what do you think that means? Like, so your nature, fallen human nature, is curved inward on itself. And so you really, rather than looking at other people and going, yeah, I know people that are like this or that, it's like the best thing for a believer to do is look at themselves and even a non-believer to be able to do, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, to be able to look at yourself and go, all right, what does it look like when myself is bent in, curved in on itself? And what he means is, and this is fallen human nature, it's all about me. It's all about me. Now, as I talk about this, I have other people that I know that I want to say, I see that in these other people. It's all about them. And it's easier for me to do it for a minute. But then after I do it, I got to say, everything I just said in my mind about other people, it's like, it's true of me um, in the worst moments. But there are some people that are just, it's all about them. They can't think about anybody else but themselves. We all know people like that. Let's just think about other people. Let's just think about these people we know out there and how awful they are for a second. They think about them nothing but themselves. You do something for them, they don't thank you. They're upset when you don't do more. If it's, how does it affect me? What's it mean to me? How am I hurt? How am I bothered? Me, 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 me. And this bothers me so much that I'd rather think about people out there than me self in here. Me self in here. So that what we're able to do is say, we're terrible apart from Christ. When we walk in the flesh, we bend in and curve in on ourselves, and you really want to go in and dig that mess up and have it spew out of you? You want to have that mess telling you how to think? Because what we're dealing with here is is mindsets, and that's what he's getting at. Self-willed, self-focused, self-motivated, and he says that this type of person can't obey God, doesn't want to, and can't do it. So be careful as we do that. We start walking in that fleshly part that still exists within us because all of a sudden that can also lead to a a crisis of faith where all of a sudden you're like, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. So you're suppressing the knowledge of God in your sin. So you got to be careful of that because you can can be um, so caught up into whatever sin, wallowing in pity, pride, uh, doing things that you know are wrong, but you can do it anyway, that eventually God just kind of says, like we would to a child or somebody, say, you want to keep doing that? You know, you don't want to let them hurt themselves too much, but sometimes it's good to turn somebody over to their sin so that they can realize the fact that this is bad and they can learn it on their own. So sometimes God does this to us, and the worst thing that he can do to us is turn us over to our non-belief so that he lets us for a while possibly wonder whether he's even there at all. Or is he good at all? And so we had to be careful of that because it's just like your flesh. You have three enemies the Bible speaks of. The world, all of the non-believers out there, they're just going to do whatever they can to try to get you. Satan and demons, of course, they're out there just to trip you up and try to do all sorts of things. But you have an equally evil, equal enemy within yourself that's the flesh that's just talking to you all the time and wanting you to listen to it, saying, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You need to be like this. You don't need to listen to that. You need to think about this. You know, all the things that Satan said in the garden to Eve, your flesh says it to yourself. Satan doesn't have to come up and whisper in your ear. I just, it's surprising to me how often demons are probably even involved in our lives. It's as if they, what do they, why bother with us? We're bad enough on our own. I mean, if you think about it, and even just discouraging yourself. Think about what's the Holy Spirit's role in your life. You know, and that should be how you are walking in this, filling yourself with the Word of God, walking in this Word of God, because the flesh is 
deeply curved in on itself, self-willed, self-focused, self-motivated. There may be times when a person like this, when I was thinking about the non-believer who he's talking about now, actually is walking in the flesh. There may be things that they do from time to time that are right and good. It doesn't mean that something a non-believer does is always evil and perfectly unjust all the time. They're, uh, non-believers do good things. And God would even look at the thing and go, yeah, that's not a bad thing. To do. That's good. But it doesn't make the person good. It doesn't make the person pleasing to God. And so that's what we have to be careful about. So flesh is just anything's opposite to the Holy Spirit in your life. And spirit is this person that's at work in us, but it's also talking about, it's, it's not just um, the, the way of thinking spiritually, but it's also is particularly talking about the Holy Spirit's work within us. So what Paul is saying is that the Holy Spirit doesn't just regenerate, he indwells. In other words, he doesn't just give us new life, but he he again sends him into our hearts. And Robert Yarborough, a commentator, writes this. He says, this living accompaniment to the Spirit, this living acknowledgement of the Spirit is not a mere belief, but it is a living and deeply informing presence. So this idea of walking according to the Spirit isn't just I'm walking according to my belief. It's actually a living and deeply informing presence in a believer. You're walking according to this person, God, who's within you. And I think sometimes we, we miss that a bit much because we don't sense it enough. But you actually, as a believer, have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. So when you read the Word of God, it resonates. And that's the way the Holy Spirit speaks to us most, almost always, is through the Word of God. Even when you pray and you hear the Word of God, it's going to be as you have God's Word hidden in your heart. And you're praying God's Word to you. And there's being particular application giving, given to the believer. But then third is this mindset, because this is what Paul is getting at, that there's this different type of mindset. So the, these two types of people have different mindsets. They have either minds on the things of the flesh or minds on the things of the spirit. Now, there's different words in Greek for mind, for thought, and things like this. This particular word um, is defined as the inward way of the mind and heart. So it's like your disposition. It's not just your knowledge, the way you think about things, but the way you think and feel about things. You know, a person's mindset. Like some people are just always, no matter, if you, if you give them a compliment, they think you're just lying to them. You know, you get a mindset that's just negative. Or no matter what happens to them, it's, I had one friend, it's like, no matter what I would say, it was like, it was just negative. It's something negative would come. It's like, why can't you be positive? It's like Eeyore. Eeyore had this Showing my age, do people still read Winnie the Pooh to their children? So it's like Eeyore says, I don't know, everything's gloomy. It's just this mindset. And so what Paul is saying is there are two different mindsets. The way one tends to think and to react. These are, the, are two very different ways of thinking about things. So in verse 6, Paul is saying, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And in verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So it's also interesting, it's not just one is death and one is life. The other is life and peace. 
Because life and peace are these two things that always go together, particularly in the Old Testament. You have life, and you're given peace, shalom, irene. You're given this inward disposition, and this is the thing, this inward disposition of the Spirit tends towards life, and it tends towards peace. Whereas curving inward on yourself, walking according to the flesh, it tends towards death, which is opposite of God, who is the author of life. So if you're not thinking in his direction, then you're just thinking in the opposite direction, which leads to death. You might think it leads to life, make me feel better, might make things work better, might, you know, I can figure my way out of this, I'm not going to follow God, I'm just going to follow my basest desires, and that leads to death. It just doesn't go anywhere. You have to have the Spirit at work, and you're walking into the Spirit. And so death is the way of thinking that leads to death and deserves death. And we look at what the world is producing, calling good things that are death, abortion, strife, war, anger, many things. And the world looks at and can twist it to say, this is the way it has to be. This is what it is. And it just leads to a culture of death. And that's what we will begin to see more and more as the world turns inward on itself. You would think that as yourself turns in on itself, that it would all be about life. You know, I want to do what's right for me. I want to do what's best for me. I want to, but the problem with that is we're not created that way. Life isn't created. God didn't create a world, a universe, that works best when each individual thing that he's created only and always thinks about itself. There's a symbiotic relationship. We work best when we're most Christ-like, which is get your mind off yourself. Think about other people. Now, you can be a non-believer, and that's pretty good advice even in non-believers. It's been scientifically proven, according to some of the podcasts I've listened to, that if you can just get a person who is just very negative, even suicidal, depressed, or whatever, to start thinking about other people and caring about other people, it makes their lives better. Now, imagine it would. You would think it wouldn't. But if you just turn yourself in on yourself for a bit, be careful because you know where that can lead. So thinking about other people following the Spirit, now what you have is right ways of thinking about other people. There's somebody else that's out there that's orchestrating things, that's watching things, that's caring about things. You have an inward impulse now that's within you that says, I, do, I should care about other people. But the flesh is still, wanna, is still gonna be in there and want this, like he's got you hooked. He's like, no, come on back, come on back. No, come on back, come on back. You know, it's like, uh-uh. As believers, we need to be in the word as we see what the word says, think of others as more important than ourselves. But the world's gonna tell you that's ridiculous to do. Your flesh is gonna say, oh my goodness, don't do that at all. And demons are gonna do whatever they can to stop that from happening. So you have to get out of yourself and into thinking about what's best at times for other people. That requires wisdom. It requires prayer. Because if you just help other people out of the flesh, which is what the world will do, then that's just going to be, it's not helping anybody. You might help some, but it's just not going to, to go in the direction that you think it is. So then in verse 7, it's like, why is it that the mind set on the flesh leads to death? And it's because the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. So if you just think about that for a second, that means that whenever you are 
in the flesh, which just means I'm not thinking about Holy Spirit. I'm just in my muckety muckety self. I'm just going to look at this in this just negative way, just apart from God and just how I feel. Then that ends up being hostility to God. And if God is the giver of all things, if God is the creator of life, if God is the one who gives faith, if God is the one who provides all things, even to the world, then hostility to God is like the last thing you want. It's like cats, you know? It's like you try to feed them and they bite you and stuff. It's like, what's up with a You know, be kind. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. But when you're hostile to God, then that's not going to, to end well. And this hostility to God, then it says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So this does not submit to God's law. This is what we call total depravity. A person in the flesh does not. And then we talk about cannot. Now we're talking about something called total inability. So when you're talking to non-believers, if you're walking in the flesh, that part of you will not, cannot. But you have a different thing at work in you, which is the spirit. But when we're talking about non-believers, and this is where Paul starts to go now, talking about non-believers, because a person that is in the flesh has total inability, cannot please God. And this word please means to accommodate oneself to the opinions, desires, and interests of others. Okay, so if you're trying to please someone else, you're trying to do what they want. You have to think about caring about what they want. Particularly in this case, somebody has to care about what God thinks. Somebody has to care about what God wants. And you can see where a non-believer is not going to be able to do that. And again, it's not that some specific actions aren't good, but even these good works are enough to make a person, apart from Christ, pleasing to God. And I tried to think of examples of this, and I thought of, you know, maybe it's like a clock. And this, you know, say God has created this clock and the purpose that he wants is like it keeps time so perfectly that you have to glorify God because of that. But the clock's broken. But, you know, the saying, it's still right twice a day. You know, it's not working. So does that pleasing? It's like that's not pleasing to God just because it happens to do something right. So the fact that non-believers in the flesh do some things that are good doesn't make that person pleasing to God. So I think that trips us up sometimes because we'll look at people who are apart from Christ and we'll think, well, gosh, they do pretty good things too. They're pretty good. Why doesn't God? God ought to. Now you're into like, okay, now you don't understand the sinfulness of sin. Just because there are a few good things that are redeeming a person, then those redeeming characteristics, think about the redeeming characteristics in you. Is it because you pat yourself on the back and say, hey, look at that. I bet God likes this about me. You, you don't do that. You have to go, anything good you see in me is because of Christ. Thank you for anything good in me. The non-believers aren't doing that. Even the good things they do, it's not because God is good to them. They're not giving thanks to God because of this. They're not praising God. They're not doing it out of faith. And so God says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So don't fall into the trap of being a co-judge with God so that you look at sinners and you think, well, they're not so bad. Why wouldn't God save that person? They seem pretty good. Because there are a lot of people I think are good in my opinion, they look, you know, and they're nice and sweet, but they're not believers. But that's because there's a lot of common grace on those people. There's a lot of things that God has given them that they aren't acknowledging him for, and then they're full of sin too. So if you dig a little too deep, you cut them the wrong way or something, they're going to show you that they're the same as us, which is deeply flawed. And apart from the Holy Spirit, we're without hope. And we have to acknowledge that. Those who are in the flesh are basically hostile to God. They're in their 
ideas and affections. And sometimes we can't see that so well, but it's there. So a person's outwardly good behavior at times is not something that erases guilt. And we have to be aware of that too. So a couple of final things to consider. Because again, in verse 7, the mind, that, and this is his concluding point with this, the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law and cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot Please God. They cannot be pleasing to God. So the first question is, how can such a person be saved? And then the second one is, it should remind us um, to always have a mindset that looks to the Spirit to give us right ways of thinking so that our walk in this world might be, um, cross, it may be Christ-like and then truly be good. So the question is, who can change a sinner's heart? And we asked it in the catechism question. It's the Holy Spirit alone. So, but they're not listening. They're not paying attention. They can't obey God's law. So obviously, as we see so many times in the Bible, God must intervene. God has to go in and do something. And so what do we do? We just pray for people and leave it at that? Or do we, and the question is, well, is that what the Bible says to do? Yes, the Bible says pray for people. The Bible says to pray that uh, the Lord of the harvest will send workers into the harvest. That's a prayer that God tells us to pray. So that insinuates, and we're directly told in other times, we need to be sharing the word of the gospel to people out there, as well as having it proclaimed to us in here, as well as us preaching the gospel to ourselves. But it's not just that we set up a church, we all meet together in some way, and then we just wait for people to show up. Because we've had, it's like, I'll say it's like fishing. Um, we've gone fishing uh, in, in, in Clarendon County where I live. There's rock bass fishing, white bass fishing. And what you do is you just, um, you look for where they're churning. And you, you crank your boat up real quick. And you go over there and you just throw baitless hooks out there in the middle of it. And they just, they're eating other things. And they get your hook caught and, they, and you catch them. And even sometimes they just jump in the boat. I've had fish just jump in the boat. And we've had that happen here. Sometimes, some of you guys, you just jumped in the boat. You know, here you are. What are you doing here? I don't know. <laughs> here you are. And not just this church, but coming to Christ. It's like, how did, did, you know, people just jumping in the boat? And that's great, and we need to pray for that. But we also need to pray, hey, help me keep my eyes open on where I see the water churning. Help me keep my eyes on where I see God at work. Let me join that. And we also need to remember that fishing in the Bible is not with lures. It's with nets. It's a broadcast. You don't try to, 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 to reach certain types of people. You try to reach people, all people everywhere, with the word of the gospel, that there's forgiveness and grace, reconciliation to God. Uh, you're a sinner. You need Christ. There is, a, there is a sacrifice for sin that's available to all. All that the Father gives to, all that the Father calls to Christ will come to him. And Jesus says, all that come to me, I will never cast out. So that's the call of the gospel to the world, which we need to be about. In our little worlds, in our little areas, we need to be about that. And many of you are, maybe all of you are, but we need to be in prayer that we can do this work of the church of making disciples so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So that it, we see it in the valley of the dry bones. Prophesy over these bones. They're dead, they're dry, they can't live. Well, breathe on them. And as the Holy Spirit goes out into the world, 
God is calling people to himself, and he uses us. He uses our prayers, he uses our words, he uses a gospel that is um, given to us, that has saved us, that we might call it to others. So the call to the sinner is to believe and to walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In Christ, there's forgiveness of sin, there's reconciliation with God. Jesus Christ died on the cross as a sacrifice for sin for all those who would turn to him and away from self. Salvation is there for all who see the helplessness of their situation and want to be saved from their sin. So you see what type of person wants to do that? Only a type of person that the Holy Spirit is working in. And how does it happen? Through the word of Christ. And so we need to be about the word of Christ. And if we are walking according to the Spirit, we must be about Christ's business in the way that we walk, in the way that we seek to save the lost, to be willing and desirous and working to make disciples, followers of Christ, who themselves walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And then when we go to verse 9, which we're going to hit next week more, it's like, but y'all, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if in Christ, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So next week, we're going to look at this thing where it's like, so when you go from death to life, it is you have the Spirit within you. And then what he says is, don't walk according to the flesh like you're in the flesh because that leads to death. Walk according to the Spirit. Your flesh will rebel against it, but walk according to the Spirit. The Spirit within you goes to that, is pulling you to that. Don't resist the Spirit. And the way you do that most going to church, worshiping Him, participating in the sacraments, reading the Bible, praying for other people, sharing the gospel with other people, believers and non-believers alike, but learning to follow Christ in all your ways. Always acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for awakening us. And we pray for those who are walking in the flesh. They cannot submit to your law. So help us not to have our gospel to be a gospel of law, calling people who can't submit to your law to submit to your law, but that the gospel is, there's another way. That there is a God who is there, who has sent his own son on the cross to pay for sin so that anyone who turns to Christ for their salvation, for repentance, for changed life, for a new way of living life, it's there in Christ Jesus. So Lord, we pray that we would believe this so deeply that it would change the way we walk, change the way we talk, change the way we think, and that we would continue to grow in Christ's likeness all the more as we see the day approaching. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.